There's one man who's been around since the beginning of the Penn New Zealand branch in Auckland. He's been friends with a who's who of literary stars and present for over 50 years of literary battles and victories. Yet many outside Auckland haven't heard the tales of Bernard Brown. I'm Karen Hay and this is the New Zealand Society of Authors Oral History Podcast where we dive deep into the archives to hear New Zealand authors tell their story of living as a writer in Aotearoa. Bernard Brown was appointed New Zealand Society of Authors President of Honour in 2017. As a lawyer, he led the team giving advice on contracts and royalties for 20 years and is still running writing competitions for the Auckland branch. He's a NZSA Taipurakau, or Life member. Just before Christmas in 1999, Bernard sat down with Alison Gray and he told her about the very beginning of Penn in Auckland almost 30 years earlier when the branch started with a humble $7 in the accounts. I became involved um, immediately the Auckland branch started up, which I'm, I'm not quite sure whether it was 70 or 71. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, um, much to my surprise, I was um, um, practically ordered <laughs> to become the secretary. Um, that was by uh, Keith Sinclair, right. C.K. Stead, mm-hmm. Morris Shadbolt was involved, and Morris G. Morris G was the treasurer, but within a few days, Morris had decided to take the family to Nelson. Uh, so he came round to my house, which was just round the corner from his, and he brought the account around for me. And um, so I became the secretary treasurer. Right. I'm still the treasurer. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, a long and consistent involvement then, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. Your hands on the purse mm. strings all that time. I'm, tre- I'm treasurer and victualler. <laughs> mm. well, sounds like a pretty good combination to me, actually. Mm. Yeah. What were the big um, issues you were involved with in, mm. when um, Auckland Yes first got going? Well, there was the struggle with Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, of course, not being not being deeply involved or steeped in New Zealand literature, I often wondered what all the fuss was about. I think essentially the Aucklanders felt irritated at playing, uh, being forced to play such a feeble second fiddle. Mm-hmm. And um, I, think, I think the Aucklanders felt that... Um, a lot more people were coming to our meetings, right. Right. that we represented quite a few people up mm-hmm. here. We, we resented the fact that uh, decisions were made um, seemingly off the cuff in Wellington um, about representation on judging yep. panels and so forth. And, um, and really all it needed was for somebody to pick up a telephone and we weren't really in the position to pick up a telephone every day or every week and say, well, what's going mm. on? Mm. And um, I don't think, I don't think uh, the uh, schism or whatever it was or the, or the tenseness um, uh, 
was any more deeply rooted than that. And um, uh, uh, it was essentially a, an Auckland faction versus a Wellington faction. And um, uh, Auckland usually uh, knows that it is right about things. Um, you know, it's more bustly, more commercial. Uh, we were very much more trade union yeah. orient oriented. And it was all settled with consummate ease when Fiona Kidman became mm -hmm. national president and she and, and she 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 took a train up here <laughs> and came to one of our meetings mm. and everybody was lovey-dovey and uh, she just said uh, oh you're allowed to spend uh, you know up to so much on bringing us up so there was no, no problem no I problem. Uh, that, that was a definite watershed so nationally and the personalities around that time there was you well, I've actually, I actually jotted down oh, here, um, and then I'll tell you which ones became um, uh, chairs. Um, Shadbob, yep. Sinclair, Stead, uh, Dick Scott, Kendrick Smitherman, Margaret Sutherland, um, Una Platts, who's still alive, Eric McCormick. Mm -hmm. Eric came on to the committee. I don't think it's the only committee Eric was ever on. And um, I can remember... Mm. I, I started up a, uh, an idea about um, uh, a kind of a academy of the arts, mm, which is uh, an idea which has uh, popped up from time to time. And Eric could hardly believe his ears. And he said, you only want to dress up, don't you? And uh, there was a slight suspicion that he <laughs> did anyway. But uh, in, anyway, that was, that was laughed out of court. Oh. Keith Sorensen, I think, um, nice. was on the committee at different times. I know there are a lot of people with um, surnames beginning with S. Yes, yes. And Dennis McEldowney and um, David Ballantyne. Oh. And the people I can recall in the 70s who were chairs were Shadbolt, Sinclair, Stead, Dick Scott, um, and David Ballantyne. Then we, oh, John A. Lee used to come oh. along to our meetings uh, with Mrs. Mrs. John A. Lee, and in fact, um, Graham Lay, oh, yep. coming along as a very young man, and um, and uh, Michael Morrissey, and we, I think we had the idea sometime in the early 80s of, of having associate membership. Um, these people by that time, of course, had, had published, published books. books yeah. I mentioned... Graham Lay, because um, in one of his short story collections called Dear Mr. Kearney, I think the very last story there was about a pen meeting which was held downstairs oh. here. And John A. Lee is there as John A. Windward. So it's well worth reading that. It's well worth reading that story. Um, don't make too much of it because people will put together who the other person, who the other person was. And um, uh, then in the 80s, we, we had a sort of Alistair Patterson came up here, and uh, Alistair, Alistair was um, a chairperson. And uh, Alistair, I think, was responsible for um, quite a change in our, in our oh. procedures because up until the time that Alistair came here, um, we tended to have a committee. 
um, of about five or six, and we, we dealt with um, we dealt with the various things. I've made a, a list of the sort of things that we dealt with, um, uh, and occasionally, occasionally we would have a, a Christmas party type get together, um, and if somebody was passing through, we would have such a person to come and uh, sing us a song, you know, give us some poetry, a few yeah. readings and so forth, and I'll mention mm. a little later um, some some examples of, of that. Milner came through, for oh, instance, yes. and, uh, and Dan, uh, Dan Devon, yeah. and um, um, very occasionally, or, uh, well, later on, um, Robert Creeley came, and, um, right. but generally speaking, point where I have to make. Generally speaking, we haven't encouraged um, our own members mm. to stand up mm. and uh, and spout before us, which I which is a shame, really. Mm -hmm. But I'll, I'll say a bit about that later mm. on. Um, so, Alistair, um, Alistair's idea, um, and of course, he had a sort of an up and down. Time. Um, Alistair's idea was that uh, we should really have a committee of everybody present. And so, uh, since then, we have only elected a, a chair, a, a secretary, and a treasurer, mm -hmm. in effect, although we have another floating person, but we used to have a, and, right. and we, we meet punctually every, um, every month on the first Friday, and uh, I would put that particular reform down to him. And you think it's an improvement? Oh yes, yes, because we always have, um, <clears throat> even though we have a small agenda, we, we always have um, enough to keep us going for probably too long. And um, uh, a lot of our members, um, and we get an average of 30 to 35 people along for each meeting. Our members, I think, would like to have um, a bit more opportunity to socialise. We yeah. socialise beforehand, have a meeting, mm. and then, of course, it's time really for people to rush yeah. off. Yeah. But um, we had a, a socialising meeting the, the other day, and we have a, a Christmas auction. We usually make about $300, right. which is yeah. nice. And I think that worked out quite well. I think people probably felt that uh, it was a, yeah. it was a yeah. nicer yeah. idea. Yeah. So. Uh, through the 80s and 90s, um, we've, we, we had Alistair Patterson as a chair, and we've had Kevin Ireland, mm -hmm. and uh, we've had Diane Brown. We've got Stephen Stratford at the moment. Mm -hmm. We've had Joan Rosier Jones, mm -hmm. and uh, John Craner, and, and Gordon McLaughlin, mm -hmm. and Tessa Duda. Right, so more women are coming in. Oh yes, there's you know? no doubt about that. <laughs> and um, I think the same story comes through with the secretaryship. Um, oh. Graham Lay took over the secretaryship from me. I think probably in the late, might have been the late 70s for for a, a while. And uh, Jan Kemp, uh -huh. who subsequently went off to Singapore. Uh -huh. Ian Sharp. Um, uh, oh, right. who, who does the, uh, the book reviews. Um, uh, Wensley Wilcox, mm -hmm. who has been secretary for some time. Diane Brown has been a secretary. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Kevin Ireland has been a secretary. And I think possible Judith White, I mm -hmm. think, as well. We've kept up with uh, some of our people from the 
from the 70s. Right. Um, I thought Philip Wilson is an original who comes to every meeting. I think we celebrated uh, Philip last year, last Christmas. We've had some very elderly members. We had a very, very interesting old chap named Captain Parsons, about whom I could go on forever and ever, <laughs> uh, who wrote uh, very interesting um, books, which uh, were not all that well written, but uh, uh, he had been uh, Rudyard Kipling's uh, gardening boy. And uh, Ted Parsons was, uh, dear old Ted, used to come with his batman. Really? Mm. Yes, and uh, Ted had been a captain in the Marines, in spite of the fact that he had had uh, a, what he called in his own uh, book a, a Bible back as a boy, but he had straightened himself, oh, oh, straightened himself out. So by World War Two, although it would have been getting on, um, Ted was uh, did get into the Marines, and uh, as 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 a catering officer, I think. But he was very, very proud of this, and whenever the, the Queen uh, came to Auckland, Ted and the other Marines would put on bowler hats and suits, and they would stand to attention outside wherever the Coming Queen wonderful. was staying. And, um, I've never heard of him. Mm. Um, he, he, was, he was a, a very, very keen cricketing person and racing man. I think he probably produced about three books. Mm. I think probably they were uh, Vanity you know, Press's self-publication. Were they fiction at or non-fiction? No, no, these were non-fiction. Memoiry type. Yes, mm -hmm. and uh, he, um, when when we had it, Ted would have been about ninety-four or ninety-five when uh, Nicholas Hazlitt came, mm -hmm. and uh, Nicholas Hazlitt, who of course was a very sophisticated um, QC. Um, read some poems and then decided he would read us a little bit from uh, his forthcoming novel. Now the forthcoming novel uh, was set in, in Australia in the late 20s and, and through the 30s and it was essentially about a, a small group of very right-wing fascists in Western Australia and they had heard that Lawrence was visiting Australia, and they assumed it was T.E. T. E. Lawrence, you see. <laughs> and somehow this, this was connected with the opening of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, because these were the same people who made a bit of, uh, had a bit of a fracas on that occasion. They were very, very disappointed when, when they discovered this was D.H. Lawrence. <laughs> and uh, I mean, this wasn't all spelled out to us, but we sort of picked this up. And at the end of the end of the, his address, dear old Captain Parsons stood up again to attention and thanked him and uh, reminded us all that his dad had been the Governor General of Australia and as Hasluck. And, uh, and then he said, um, Sir, you will probably be interested to know, he said, that um, I was present as a guard of honour at the opening of the city of the bridge. And he said, um, um, I was very upset that Mr. Lawrence had not come, but he got he, he made exactly, exactly the, the same, same. error. <clears throat> and we could hardly contain ourselves, but everybody, of course, did contain themselves. <laughs> he made exactly the same error as had been written about. And Nicholas Hazlitt said that made coming to <laughs> New Zealand totally uh, uh, 
And, and we, 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 we loved having old Ted there because when we were all, when Shadbop came in in the early 80s to t t make us all go off mm. to protest, uh, mm -hmm. Ted got up and said that uh, he was certainly not going and uh, right. <coughs> you know, there was another point of view and the yeah. South Africans had fought with us during <laughs> the war and uh, yeah, I mean that was, yes, great. And that was all done in, a, in an extremely a pleasant civilized, way. Civilized mm. way. Mm. Yes. yes. So we're talking about all the people that have been involved, and we're going to come back to some of the things that you some of the issues. That you yes, talked about. I was the secretary for a long time, but I, I always lost the minutes, <laughs> just as well, I think. Um, <laughs> um, I would say that the Auckland branch has always placed trade union and professional writing matters before all else. Right. Uh, though over the years we have had a number of visiting poets, novelists, who have read. Um, Charles Doyle, Nicholas Haslock, Ian McEwan, Judith mm. Wright, mm. Robert Creeley. And um, we did have one full day author's seminar of members reading to members. We had right. it here in various rooms, which went off yeah. e extremely well. And um, we didn't make a loss. And in the two or three national AGMs that, which have been held yeah. here, there's always been some kind of literary activity. But generally, Generally, there's a feeling that uh, we don't we, we don't come together to read. What were the trade union kind of things that you dealt with? Is that mainly well, getting publishers to be fairer? And yes, we've always taken a very strong interest in writing for a living, mm -hmm. and um, the Authors Fund, which I suppose is the pen, Holy Grail, Grail. Mm -hmm. uh, the public lending right, mm -hmm. um, representation on arts and literary committees. Um, QE2 and Creative New Zealand, the the notion of the standard, you know, the, the standard form contract. Would you, would you personally have been involved in that as a lawyer? Um, yes, but um, I think most of the work was done in Wellington. Right. And um, I was shown it by uh, Miss or Mrs. Williams? Dale, Dale Williams. Dale, Dale, Dale Williams. Yes, Dale, Dale came Dale. up. Yes. Dale came up and we, we had... We, we, we spent a day together talking about that and some other things. Um, definitely things to do with publishers mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of the complaints about about publishers, local mainly, but also overseas publishers and uh, agents and mm -hmm. um, and people who set themselves up as uh, as uh, as being advisors on um, how to write things and do do come into my little community and uh, you only need to pay so many hundreds of dollars and so forth um, these have always been a, of concern to us and in fact the the legal inquiries committee which has been going now i suppose for about 12 years mm -hmm. and we meet wait for it weekly we meet weekly, well, chiefly because we, we get on very well together, <laughs> but there are always two or three things to be transacted. Now, these are almost invariably complaints by members about the way that publishers are, are treating them. And uh, I suppose we've had scores and scores of complaints, probably hundreds of complaints really? yeah. during that time. And a lot of them recur. Some are still uh, gurgitating and others fall out and then are regurgitated. I think we've given quite good service, really, over yeah. the years. The, the yeah. Graham, Lay, uh, Kevin Ireland and I, 
and we've been joined by Stephen Stratford, who of course has good knowledge of uh, magazines. And, yes, I was going to say magazines and, and publishing. And, uh, publishing newspapers and things would be as well as book publishers. Yes, and uh, oh, we kill fees, um, oh, a, a most amazing variety uh -huh. of things now. In embryo, we ran something like that through the 70s, and I can remember Dick Scott coming along to his mm. first meeting. He came along to a meeting of our committee, and he brought a complaint along with him. And that complaint was looked at by the committee, but it was sort of shoveled across. It was shoveled across to me. And I've been lucky in that I've been able to, I've been able to go to lawyers mm -hmm. um, and to colleagues and so forth to get uh, the inside uh, oil on things yeah. and um, yeah. and of course um, we don't look at things um, we can't look at things in a strictly legal way we have always tried to achieve uh, resolutions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and do the best we, 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 we can and uh, one or two of these have been very big issues involving uh, Thousands, sometimes um, I suspect hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, where one settlement eventually really? was reached, and we had to actually pass that over to to a lawyer because, uh, and of course, we can be burned off very easily, and some and some publishing firms have threatened us with um, with, with with legal action, and um, we would have liked to have put a lot, made a lot more things public. In, in, in the New Zealand author, yes. but um, even though we have known that we could come out eventually as the winners, the pen would have been destroyed uh -huh. financially en route in right. terms of um, lawyers' fees. And uh, copyright licensing, mm. we've mm. been always been interested in that, and, and we have always, whatever sort of copyright body has existed. I mean, Jones been Joan Rosie mm. Jones has been doing a lot of work. I was um, a representative uh, during the right through the 80s on something calling itself the New Zealand Copyright Council. Now we've always had an intense interest in what's happening to libraries. Oh, yep. The, the charging, yep. charging for the use of libraries. Um, uh, in more recent years, we have become very, very concerned, uh, and we've done a lot of work on May, MAI, and the global removal of tariffs mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, the parallel importing matters. Um, Dennis Trussell, who is a very um, valued member, we have some quite smart business people yep. coming along to our meetings, including some who are, I would say, fairly right-wing people. And on two or three occasions, we have had some stand-up debates about, uh, with these folk, and uh, three or four of them have absented themselves from a few meetings because uh, we, you know, we've always been sort of a, a left-wingish yeah. organisation. Um, the the implications of new technology. We we've always brought people in to tell us about right. the, these things. I know one of our former members, Susan Masterton. She she. She um, sells her work through a website page. Yes, isn't that amazing? Mm, yes. Successfully? Um, well, I think probably as successfully Please as anything else. else.
I'm Karen Hay and this is the New Zealand Society of Authors Oral History Podcast. We'll be back to the podcast in a moment, but just to remind you that through advocacy, professional development programs, information, competitions, awards and mentorships, advisory and consultancy services, the NZSA is the professional organisation for New Zealand writers to receive fair reward and the right to protect their copyright. As a representative body, the NZSA lobbies for the rights of all writers in New Zealand. Visit authors.org.nz to find out more about membership. In our previous episodes, writers have brought up the issue of the London flat, which left some deep scars on the New Zealand Society of Authors. Bernard was in England at the time, but he came back to all the ramifications, including Carl Stead leaving the organisation as a result. Yeah, I was in England and I heard about what had happened and, and frankly I thought it was all being blown out of uh, all, proportion. all proportion. And... Uh, uh, I think I think John Cranmer took it very seriously here, and um, of course John John could be quite uh, articulate and quite uh, fierce. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's left some deep scars that um, to Bloomsbury. I thought it was a shame because I mean uh, Carl had put so much into mm. um, our organisation, mm. and uh, I suppose no, I certainly wouldn't want to be quoted on this, but. I suppose when um, when when somebody is a bit is, is a bit high, high highly visible and mm. quite adversarial, you mm. know that um, mm. other people sort of other people uh, sort of leap in at that point, and and, um, and I think I think it's been a very very great loss to our organisation mm. that uh, we haven't had the continuing involvement mm. of. Mm. And uh, I think a lot of the things that he has, a lot of, of the things that he has uh, concerned with, you know, the Maori Pakeha relationship mm-hmm. and uh, gender discrimination mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so forth, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those matters I think could have done with um, rather more discussion mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. our society. The only other thing that um, that occurs to me to make a comment about is. One, I, I, we have very few identifiably Maori mm. members. I was going to ask you about that, yeah. Um, Trixie Menzies is an ever-present person who, who uh, has, quite, has a lot to say um, and you know, a lot of sensible things to say. But it hasn't been probably for lack of trying. Or oh, Witty comes mm. along from mm. time to time and, he's, and of course he, he has played a part in our Courage Day. Uh, event which was very successful. Mm. We we did make two or three efforts um, over the years, probably in the 70s, probably in the 80s, and probably in the early 90s, to to invite mm-hmm. um, some Tangata uh, Fenua uh, along, and I think I think people thought it was all a little bit self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I think they thought so too. Mm. The other thing is, if you came to um, uh, if you came to any of our meetings, you would probably reach the conclusion that our average age was about um, fifty-one or fifty-two. Yeah, uh, right. Um, so the new young, really young. We're not getting, we're not getting young people along. 
And I mean, it would be good because we then get we get mm. more young people, mm. more young people along. I think we did a bit better in the in the 1970s. We used to meet in the law school, and I used to make my students come. Do you think it's partly the younger ones don't see the need for a union because things have improved, or are they not aware of what they're missing out on? Oh, I'm not so sure that yes. things have improved. Yes, really. Um, I look through the wrong end of the telescope. I look at uh, professional writing matters in New Zealand through the I inquiries and the, the uh, dysfunctioning end right. of the telescope. So um, mm. uh, I think probably, I think probably for every one you book get. in trouble that we look at, there might be ten or fifteen that, um, yeah. or even more that, uh, that that don't need to be looked at. But at the same time. I can change the metaphor mm. in terms of uh, mis misfunctioning. A lot of the iceberg is down yeah. there beneath yeah. the surface yeah. and yeah. Uh, beyond the reach of our telescope. Yeah. Uh, because, of course, a lot of people who aren't members, yeah. a lot of people exactly. have joined. People, yeah. A lot of people have joined because of the, the legal yes, the, the legal inquiries. The, yeah. We've probably saved a bit of money, right. yeah. but I'm far from convinced. That uh, that things have improved, um, I think that uh, I think margins have become narrower. I think yeah. things have become, if anything, a lot more cutthroat. Because there's been a, yes, a lot of takeovers, haven't there, of New Zealand? So there's fewer sort of really indigenous um, publishers and more multinational something. Yes. Even very well-known authors mm. Mm. get treated mm. stingily, mm. and that has been the biggest surprise. Mm. to me. There are publishers that we know who are almost household names mm. and I think, the, I think the only way we can start to turn things is by pursuing what I think has been done for the first time, that's listing. And we get people writing in who, uh, who are very concerned that they are not on the top ten or they're close to the bottom. Right. Mm. And we also did for the first time last year the Good Publisher Yes, that's right. That's the one I'm. Uh, that's the one I'm talking about, which I, I think is a. I think is a, a, a very very neat idea. Because mm. it's a British idea, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And what about your own publishing them with poetry? Was that? I mean, that must have been an interesting exercise for you to be doing parallel, getting poetry published in New Zealand. Oh well, um, yeah. I've I've always, uh, I've never really thought about. Um, who, who's published you along the way? The same. Well, the first, the first book I, I did a little book um, in about 1972, mm. 73, which which a small press run by a friend. You know, I right. think this often is the yeah. case. Yeah. Called Acorn Press, mm -hmm. and that's the only thing I think they did. And um, then um, I, I, I had been friendly with Anne Mallinson right. Right. through legal publishing. And so uh, when uh, when Mallinson Rendell mm. set up, I think I think I might have been the first book right. to be published. I think they were doing something at the, at the same time for the woman who was the wife of the British High Commissioner. Oh. So I think it might have been neck and neck as to who as to uh, as to which of us was, was was their first publication. I think her name was Johnson. And um, and then uh, then I bumped into Christine, right? And um, 
I mean, I've had no trouble myself because because I've never looked for. Right. I've not had to live by it. Mm. Mm. In fact, uh, I think with the mountain rental, uh, I might have made a, sub a small subvention, mm. Mm. which um, which came directly from the proceeds of a um, either uh, illegal trafficking in drugs or a, a bank heist, <laughs> because I've been it was money that came from a client in respect of whom I'd given a legal opinion. Yeah, right. So um, I thought that was a good way of <laughs> That's using it. Good way of using, using a fee. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. Well, I don't know. I might be typical of a lot of low-level um, authors. I say low-level in terms of their commercial expectations. Mm. That I think a lot of people just want to be published, mm -hmm. and they don't want to be published by uh, what what is identifiably a vanity mm. press. Mm. And we've had a lot of trouble with vanity presses. Uh -huh. Um, not so much in New Zealand because we know which ones they are and they're gen generally speaking they treat people uh, reasonably well although we've we have actually rooted out to right. we've rooted out quite yeah. ruthlessly to yeah. very very bad ones we've just finished with another very bad one yeah. uh, but uh, we've had a lot of problems with uh, New York and with uh, London, and we have sent friends to have a look uh -huh. at the premises, and there are no premises on three or four occasions. Yes. And so oh. we've tried to write little notes for the New Zealand little. author mm. to, to warn people about um, these mm. matters. Mm. And what's happened between Wellington and Auckland now? All amicable? No, I don't think there's any. Yeah. I don't think there's been any ill feeling. Mm. Um, since since Fiona, mm, that's good. I mean, you could actually you could actually pinpoint pinpoint it. I think it must have been. I think I think that must have been at the end of the uh, end of the seventies. Because she introduced a new voting system, didn't she, for people to be on the Lit Fund and the Arts Council? Yes, people yes. could vote instead of it being picked in Wellington. Yes. So yeah, I mean, all it needed all mm. it needed was somebody. Uh, I mean, we. We were pretty, we were pretty mm. adversarial mm. group in a sense. When you look back at the people, mm. I mean, these very articulate, mm. heavy, heavy publishing uh, authors. Yes. Uh, though David Ballantyne, yes. um, David wasn't. David was very gentle yes, and a uh, uh, very gentle person. Yes. But um, what about Creative New Zealand and the change from the? Arts Council to create music. The pen doesn't have any representatives on that. No, now um, the the other person, of course, I should I should mm. have mentioned uh, as as a long time as a long time uh, um, influence with us since he returned from Australia, Terry Sturm. Yeah, yeah. I know that Terry went through an enormous amount of anguish mm. Mm. over that. Uh, it was part of the right wing ideology. To, to have a, a business-orientated administrative group with uh, CEOs and apparachooks who didn't have to get clogged up with uh, meddlesome authors or yes. musicians and yes. so forth. Artists. Yes. So you 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 get the money and you chuck them some crumbs. It's it's a drip-down thing, and it gives you it gives you 
uh, in your organization a total control over over the the people who are producing and i mean we we've thrown up figures as you know better than mm. i do to show um how much we actually earn through exporting yes. Um, yes. how much our members earn um, for the country in taxes although of course uh, not too many of our members accept uh, certain categories like our romance writers yes. and our yes. cooking writers and, yes. uh, and uh, needlework and, mm -hmm. and so forth do uh, shake one when they yes. tell you how much they how much, get how much they mm -hmm. earn I think we've been we have been badly dealt to by uh, a succession of uh, right-wing uh, uh, National Party uh, ministers. Um, my, my old friend Doug Graham didn't do us any favours at all because he wasn't interested yeah. in, in, in the organisation. Um, we've had some eminently uh, forgettable mm. ministers and yet, I think probably the best minister we have ever had dealings with was uh, um, Alan Hyatt, mm -hmm. uh, whose who's, uh, second wife, of course, made sure he, yeah. he, he treated as well. Um, I, think, uh, I think Michael Bassett, in spite of the, um, the, the Bloomsbury um, blip, I think, Michael, I think Michael was a good minister of the arts. Mary Hasler actually did come along and, and oh. talk to us. We tried to get the ministers to come. Um, Doug came along, and he did, wasn't really mm. minded to mm. to do anything very much with us. I, I missed that meeting, but mm. people were very disappointed. Mm. And we got Mary Hessler along, and um, and she did try to give the impression that she was on our side, but um, she she didn't have a good mm. she she didn't have much of a grip on. On the, issues. on the issues, not at that stage anyway. And she was outside cabinet as well. She was outside cabinet, and uh, I mean, I I think it's quite I think it's good that we've got a prime minister who who wants mm. to, uh, to 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 do well by us. Mm. We just have to hope that she doesn't become preoccupied with other matters. Mm. It would have been nicer if she got a better majority. She'll be very preoccupied. Yeah, I I I, I think. What is going to be what we really need to keep our eye on is is that question of of of, of representation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've, we've got yeah. to have we've got to have people up there represented um, uh, on Creative New Zealand or whatever organisation gets in there, and we have had um, Jennifer Gibbs along recently. To talk about uh, that their particular initiative, um, which went down quite well with our membership, although Good. I believe that Gordon uh, Gordon McLaughlin doesn't like the idea. I think uh, I asked her whether she thought there might be a danger in that that group um, raising um, substantial sums, and then the government of the day no. saying. Yes. Mm, no, you're being provided for mm. by that, so we, we're not going to put we're not going to put um, uh, more money into the authors' fund, for instance. Uh, um, but she she didn't seem to think that uh, there was any real any real problem with that. Um, mm. 
I like the. Uh, I think I think Britain had a good had a had a good minister with ideas during the Thatcher regime, until Thatcher discovered that he was <laughs> he was he was twitting her all the time without her re realizing it was pointed out, and then she got rid of him. As is uh, St. John Stevens, uh, who was very who was very very shrewd and very funny, <laughs> and. Uh, and he managed to work up something with um, with industry and commerce, All right. whereby um, I think it was dollar for dollar, or they put in two for one government dollar, and I mean that's not yeah, a that's a not a bad way. Of, and, and they got the kudos. Who was saying to me the other day? They suggested that um, very young writers could get grants from Creative New Zealand or what it's called, and the middle range could get. Um, government kind of sponsorship and the top lot could be sponsored patrons by different companies could take them on. Oh, well, 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 it is an idea, yeah. but, but, but then you see you get into, you get into an area where, where the patrons are looking around and the patrons' um, gaze falls upon Kapka Kasovava. Yes, the young and up and comers. Oh, and this, I mean, this has been the story of the last 10 or 15 years, that the, the people who are exciting to publishers, the people who are exciting to, to patrons, just look at who's been holding mm. the Sargeson fellowships. Mm. There have been the, the young Swish mm. girls, mm. Uh, young women, who, who, who look good on the flyleaf of the, fly leaf of, mm. Mm. Uh, the dust, dust jackets. And... Um, uh, I'm not suggesting for a moment because I have been involved in selection, yeah. but they, they have been the goers as yeah. well. They, they produce. Mm. Mm. So um, I would think that um, if it were a toss up between, um, say, uh, um, Morris G or, or, um, or, or Sue Reedy or Kapka, yeah. then, yeah. then the, the big legal firm. I think it's going to be more interested in the, the young, very um, presentable person rather than the older, the older male who has to be airbrushed a bit. I'm not suggesting that Morris needs because <laughs> holds his years very well, but... Yes, I think, mm. yes, the point, yes. So I think so much of the market mm. has been mm. injected that mm. a, a quite, quite a lot of it is going to continue. Tomorrow I'm, I'm having to sell an idea to a, a sponsor about something to do with the arts and it's going to be, it's going to be uphill mm. Mm. and, and I've, I shall have to sit down tonight and have to make a lot of notes. Yeah, and mm. sell it. We're going to need people, that's, I suppose that's another thing, we, I think we're going, to, we're going to need people in the New Zealand Society of Authors who won't be doing things with um, Norm Kirk or whomsoever yeah. on an old boy basis, although that's very important. I think we, I think we're going to need very hard-nosed people who are entrepreneurs between the arts and commerce and government mm. and young people. Yes, Gordon McLaughlin has been terrific mm. because because mm. Gordon mm. Um, uh, Gordon knows how to uh, how to uh, manipulate yeah. the media. Um, Kevin, Kevin is so full of charm that that he can succeed where other people don't. But we we are going to need that.
You've been listening to a December 1999 interview between Bernard Brown and Alison Gray on the New Zealand Society of Authors Oral History Podcast. If you like this podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe or leave a review. It helps others find the NZSA. This podcast was produced by Elizabeth Kirkby MacLeod for the New Zealand Society of Authors with funding from Creative New Zealand. Noturno by Ottorino Respighi, which you are listening to now, is performed by Justin Bird. The audio was digitised and provided by the Alexander Turnbull Library. I'm Karen Hay and this was a New Zealand Society of Authors oral history podcast.